This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. Looking back on our lives, we may suddenly remember things we've thought, said, or done for which we are ashamed. Satan loves to use these flashbacks against us as he whispers, You're a loser. Jesus couldn't possibly love you. Knowing Satan is the prince of lies, we need a word from God speaking truth. Today's message, Do You Love Me? If you're sick and tired of hearing bad news, then stay with us because we have some really good news to cover with you today. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you pray with me? Gracious and faithful God, we need your word in our lives. Your word is truth. So speak, O Lord, for we are ready to listen to the truth. In his name we pray. Amen. Our reading for today is taken from Luke, chapter 18, beginning at verse 31. And taking the twelve, Jesus said to them, See, we're going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. Dear friends, in the musical Fiddler on the Roof, there is a memorable scene between Tevya and Golda in which he asks her, Golda, do you love me? She then lists all the things she has done with him and for him, and he keeps asking her, though, do you love me? She initially responds to his question by saying, you're a fool. But he smiles and says, I know, but do you love me? People sometimes play the fool and ask that same question of God. Do you love me, God? Really? Life sometimes brings about circumstances which cause moments of doubts about that love every once in a while. Uh, for instance, when we've done something that we're ashamed of and we can't believe that even he could love me after that. Or when something bad has happened to us. I thought he loved me. Why did he let that happen? Or looking back on our lives and suddenly remembering those things we've thought and said or done for which we're ashamed. And they still seem to hold up power over us. Satan loves to use those flashbacks against us. And he whispers, you're a loser. Jesus couldn't possibly love you. Of course, there's our own insecurities that sometimes will keep us asking, are you sure you love me? It's during those times that I need a word from God, like today's reading, to speak truth into my life. You see, Jesus knew what was coming, didn't he? 
He was very close to Jerusalem now when he took the 12 disciples aside and warned them as to what lay ahead in Jerusalem. Notice the detailed preview of what he would face, his accurate prediction. He would be handed over to the Gentiles by the Sanhedrin Council. He would be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they would kill him. I don't think you and I can even begin to imagine the burden Jesus carried in knowing what lay ahead for him. We're told later in the story that he would literally sweat drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane as he thought about the next day. It all sounds rather nightmarish, doesn't it? Yet Jesus went anyway. The text goes on to say, after the prediction, as Jesus approached Jericho, down the road Jesus went, closer and closer to Jerusalem, with the disciples scratching their heads as to what he meant by those words. And it happened, just as he said. Oh, how he suffered and was handed over to the Romans by the Jewish Sanhedrin Council. And we read in the Passion story how he was mistreated badly, all those things he said, and was killed on the worst instrument of torture of his day, the cross, just as he said. Cicero describes the crucifixion as the most cruel and hideous of tortures. Jesus was stripped and tied to a whipping post. He was flogged with four or five thongs of leather, interwoven with sharp, jagged bone and lead. Eusebius, the third century church historian, described Roman flogging in these terms. The sufferer's veins were laid bare, and the very muscles and sinews and bowels of the victim were open to exposure. He was taken to a praetorium where a crown of thorn was slammed down upon his head. He was mocked by a battalion of 600 men and hit about the face and spit upon. He was forced to carry a heavy bar on his bleeding shoulders until he collapsed. When they reached the site of crucifixion, he was again stripped naked, laid on that cross, and six-inch nails were driven into his forearms just above the wrist. His knees were twisted sideways so that the ankles could be nailed between the tibia and the Achilles tendon. He was lifted on the cross, which was then dropped into a socket in the ground, and there he was left to hang in intense heat and unbearable thirst, exposed to the ridicule of the crowd. He hung in unthinkable pain for six hours while his life slowly dripped away nightmarish, just as he said. And after he was laid in a tomb, Jesus did rise again, just as he said. Hallelujah. The most important question 
in all of this, as we think of all that Jesus went through, what he walked into when he walked into Jerusalem, the most important question is why? Why did he make that journey to Jerusalem when he knew what awaited him there? He could have turned around, couldn't he? Well, why did he do it? First, loving obedience to the Father's plan. So that, as he said in today's text, what is written in the prophets will be accomplished. Hundreds of years earlier, Old Testament prophets spoke of what was about to happen to Jesus. For instance, the prophet Isaiah talked of a suffering servant. Listen to these words from Isaiah chapter 50. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. And here is words of the crucifixion in Isaiah 53. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. And then the prophet Hosea says in chapter 6, After two days he will revive us, and on the third day he will raise us up, that we may live before him. In fact, all of Scripture points to Jesus and that cross. This is no accident. This is no plan B because plan A failed for God. The cross is not a tragic surprise. No, it was part of a plan. Author and pastor Max Lucado puts it this way. The ropes used to tie his hands and the soldiers used to lead him to the cross were unnecessary. They were incidental. Had they not been there, had there been no trial, no pilot, no crowd, the very same crucifixion would have occurred. Had Jesus been forced to nail himself to the cross, he would have done it. For it was not the soldier who killed him, nor the screams of the mob. It was his devotion to us. This is no accident. This is God's will being carried out to save a sinful humanity of which you and I are a part, to save us from sin and death. The moment that forbidden fruit touched the lips of Eve, the shadow of a cross appeared on the horizon. God's master plan went into action. All of us have sinned. 
All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We're polluted by sin. We're captive to the power of sin. We're separated from God because of our sin. And we live with the penalty of sin, God's judgment and our death. But in this prediction of Jesus today, on the road to Jerusalem, we see a determined God carrying out his will, coming after us, so that we might have a restored relationship with him. Jesus will go on to make the payment for our sin with his sacrificial death. As Isaiah said, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He suffered the punishment that was meant for me. The wrath of God was poured out on him as he cried out, My God, why have you forsaken me? I was dead in my sin, but he died so that I might live. Jesus goes to the cross not as a victim, but as a victor. He will rise again, victorious over the power of death. That's the plan that Jesus is talking about today. It's God's plan, he tells his disciples. But ultimately, though, when you think about it, he went to Jerusalem out of love for you and me. I remember Billy Graham saying, if you were the only person who ever lived in this world, Jesus went to the cross for you to pay for your sins. At the time, His disciples didn't understand any of this that he was saying. It was hidden from them by God until after the resurrection. Then they would hear the risen Jesus say to them, Remember those words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me and Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then their eyes were opened and they understood, Aha! That's what Jesus meant. And they couldn't announce this good news fast enough. Everyone needs to know what God has accomplished through Jesus for us, they thought. Everyone needs to trust in this and surrender themselves to his care, to his lordship in their lives. Everyone needs to enter in to the kingdom of God and live with him in a new life, now, forever. Christ's death on the cross and then the resurrection, you see, is central to our faith. It's our foundation. It's our assurance that, yes, we are loved. I mean, just look at what Jesus has done for you. The gospel, in essence, tells us that We're more sinful than we ever realized and more loved than we ever dared hope. To anyone who is listening in today, did you hear that? You are more loved than you dared hope. Just look at the cross. I want to close with a story from Christian author Brennan Manning. He has this amazing story about how he got the name Brennan, 
While growing up, his best friend was Ray. The two of them did everything together, bought a car together as teenagers, double dated together, went to school together, and so forth. They even enlisted in the army together, went to boot camp together, and fought on the front lines together. One night while sitting in a foxhole, Brennan was reminiscing about the old days in Brooklyn while Ray listened and ate a chocolate bar. Suddenly a live grenade came into the foxhole. Ray looked at Brennan, smiled, dropped his chocolate bar, and threw himself on the live grenade. It exploded, killing Ray. But Brennan's life was spared. When Brennan became a priest, he was instructed to take on the name of a saint. He thought of his friend Ray Brennan, so he took on the name Brennan. Years later, he went to visit Ray's mother in Brooklyn. They sat up late one night having tea when Brennan asked her, Do you think Ray loved me? Mrs. Brennan got up off the couch and shook her finger in front of Brennan's face and shouted, What more could he have done for you? Brennan said that at that moment, he experienced an epiphany. He imagined himself standing before the cross of Jesus, wondering, Does God really love me? And Jesus' mother Mary pointing to her son, saying, What more could he have done for you? What more could he have done for you and me? Friends, the appeal in this message today is really quite simple, but it is heartfelt. According to this passage today, you and I have been loved. You're loved. Trust in Jesus and revel and glory in his love for you. Amen. Let's pray together. O good and gracious Father, forgive us for those moments when we doubt your love for us when we take our eyes off of the cross. We thank you for your amazing love, so sacrificial. Help us to believe in it and to trust and follow Jesus Christ all the days of our lives. In his name we ask this. Amen. Now as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You have been worshiping with the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has assured you that you are indeed loved. Trust in Jesus, revel and glory in his love for you. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit ministry supported entirely by the gifts of our listening audience. The Saint Gifts, large and small, have become a significant part of our ministry. Please consider, if you are able, a final gift to Christian Crusaders as part of your estate planning. We thank each of you for your gifts and prayers.
You're invited to look us up on the internet. We can easily be found on Facebook and Twitter as well. Be sure to share Christian Crusaders with a friend, a relative, or neighbor. By making more people aware of this ministry, we can share the word and spread the news that we are more sinful than we ever realized and more loved than we ever dare hope. Check us out today at ChristianCrusaders.org. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit, listener-supported ministry that seeks to serve listeners of the airwaves with the pure, unadulterated Word of God, salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Feel free to contact us at 1-888-693-2484. Our mailing address is 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. We are happy you chose to worship with us, and we pray you will join us again. Conducting the service was our speaker, Pastor Steve Kramer. Christian Crusaders is blessed to have broadcast biblical truth continuously since 1936.